Welcome to the Homeschool with Ease podcast. If you're looking for practical ways to teach your children, plan your curriculum, and gain the mindset you need for homeschooling, then you've come to the right place. Let's get started. Welcome back to an episode of the Homeschool Made Easy podcast. I'm Nancy McHill, and I'm so grateful that you're tuning in. So this past weekend, I went to the Great Homeschool Convention in Ontario, California. And if you've ever heard of it, it's a nationwide conference for homeschoolers. They have them in other states like Missouri, Texas, and a a few other states. Um, They have vendors there with all sorts of curriculum, classes, resources, and so much more. Plus really great workshops on topics like parenting to education. I was a vendor there with a booth and I connected with so many people, so many parents and other homeschool businesses. It was really exhilarating. It was so nice to just get out there and meet other parents, meet other homeschool businesses and just make those connections. And it's nice to actually see people. So if you live near a state that or nearby where you can go to the great homeschool convention i highly highly recommend it it gives you a lot of different resources and ideas and or although it could be overwhelming many parents told me when they were coming by my booth that they're just a little overwhelmed um it's still beneficial and it really kind of gives you that extra boost to keep going. So speaking of other parents, many times my friends or my clients will tell me, I think that my kid has ADD or something is wrong. He won't focus. He doesn't like to do his work. He's not engaged when I work with him. They tell me these things and I, I get it. I get how that could be frustrating and how that could be challenging and no fault to any parents because I will be the first to admit that I have thought the same thing about my children sometimes but it's funny how most of us most likely from societal pressure quickly assume something is wrong with our children if they can't focus or don't want to sit still. I've done it myself. My third child is much different than my first two. My first two are rule followers. They can sit still. They're active, but they still can sit still and follow directions. But my third son, let me tell you, really gave us a different experience. Um, I've learned to embrace it, but it was challenging at first. Um, when he has like something in his head, he will do it. It doesn't matter if there, you know, I talked to him about the consequence or maybe it's something like an unnecessary thing that he needs to do, but to him it's necessary and it's going to happen whether anyone likes it or not. And He, you know, he could be really kind of wild, which all kids get, but it kind of got to the point where I thought maybe something's wrong with him. 
um, I would often tell my husband, like, should we get him tested? I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do anymore. Um, like I said, I have come a long way personally, and I've learned to embrace it. And I think that there are a lot of other factors that can come into play when, when, you know, a child is acting a certain way, or maybe sometimes it's us as parents that need to figure something else out. Maybe, you know, he needed more attention at that time, or he needed something and we just couldn't figure it out. Or maybe he's just bored. And you know what? Being bored is okay. It's okay for a child to be a little bored from time to time. There's actually studies that show it's beneficial for them to be bored. They are encouraged to find other things to do. They're more likely to use their imagination and they don't really need to be stimulated all of the time. So like I said earlier, when parents tell me that their child is not engaged, they will mention ADD because that's, you know, well known. It's um, has much more exposure now. And so the definition of ADD is a neurological condition with symptoms of inattention, distractibility, and poor working memory. So ADD is something that is actually tested and diagnosed by a professional. I guarantee you that every single person gets distracted regularly, including myself. I most certainly do, and I haven't been diagnosed with anything. Of course, if you really think that this is a real issue and it's getting in the way of your child's everyday routines, then please get them assessed because if if that is really an issue and and it's affecting the family, then knowing what the issue is will definitely benefit you and your child. But instead of jumping to the conclusion of the idea that a child who isn't focused during a lesson has a neurological condition, consider these other factors. So if a child isn't engaged in something that they're learning, it isn't interesting for them or applicable to them in some way, or maybe they're not involved in the lesson, then I can tell you that they will most likely be bored and disengaged. I know I am. If I'm not interested in something, I have a really hard time focusing and paying attention. I would think that most people are the same way. If we as adults have a hard time paying attention to something that's boring to us, imagine a child who doesn't have all of the brain development functionality that we do and they're not engaged in something, then how can you expect them to sit still through something that they're not engaged in if us as self, like ourselves, are not engaged in something we don't like. The problem with us adults is that we think that children just have to follow everything we say and we expect them to do everything we give them. But it doesn't always work that way, right? Every child has a unique way of learning. They have their unique personalities and, of course, their own thoughts and their own desires. Other factors to consider are your child's sleeping habits. 
Maybe they're tired or maybe on the other hand, they could be like full of energy and need to get their energy out before starting a lesson. Think about have they eaten well? If a child's hungry, they will not want to cooperate. I definitely get hangry and cannot focus when I'm hungry. How is their environment? If their environment is chaotic when they have a hard time focusing, then it might be just too overwhelming. Like for me personally, if the house is too messy or cluttered, I get overwhelmed. And, you know, my house is always messy, but sometimes it does get too much. And a quick 15-minute cleanup can really make a difference. I'm reading this book called Simplicity Parenting by Kim John Payne, and he it's really, really good. I highly recommend it. He talks a lot about the child's environment. When there's clutter and chaos around the child, they're going to feel it. And it's not just material things like toys or a mess around the house. It's also even like their mental stimulation. If they're just overwhelmed in general, it's obviously going to be very hard for them to, to focus. So consider the, the whole spectrum, the whole idea. Consider their environment their mental stimulation that they're already getting, their, um, you know, if they're, maybe if they're watching too much TV or on video games too much, like even if he, they're after, like they get off of that device, it could still be reeling in their heads. Like personally, when I'm looking at my phone late at night and then I try to go to sleep, I still have like images in my head and thoughts about what I just saw. So that can all contribute to not being able to focus. There are many ways of teaching and having our kids practice and learn new concepts. There's no right or wrong way. But if our children are not doing the work and it isn't really like out of defiance, then we should take the time to listen to them and adjust accordingly. The beauty of homeschooling is that we are able to teach to the child not just give them whatever's easiest for us. I always say that workbooks and worksheets have a place in the time. Of course, it's perfectly fine and sometimes even necessary to have kids work on a worksheet. But if all they're doing is working out of a workbook or working on a worksheet, then yes, they will most likely get bored and not want to sit still and finish it. Think about yourself, like would you want to sit through a workbook and just work through a whole day on a workbook? doesn't really sound that exciting, right? So learning should definitely be a mixture of different ways of teaching and really taking into account how your child likes to learn. How does your child retain information? What kinds of things are they interested in, like outside of learning? What kind, are they interested in sports? or dance, or building, engineering. Think about all of these things and think about how can you incorporate their interests and learning styles into your daily lessons and activities. The more that you can incorporate these factors, their learning style, their interests, and connect what they're learning to themselves in some way, then they will more likely be able to focus and retain the information that they're learning. 
when we do these things, it becomes meaningful for them. Several brain studies have shown that students need meaning in order to retain and recall information. What they are learning needs to be meaningful to them in some way. So here are some steps to engage kids more. The first one I would say is to ask them questions. So when they are working on something or maybe like building something or whatever it may be, ask them some questions as while they're working on it. Like, oh, what are you doing here? Or why do you think this block should go here? Ask these open-ended questions to have them think and engage with you and think about what they're doing so that they can work through that mental process as well. The second tip is to incorporate their interests. So even if they're interested in basketball or dance or a certain character or um, anything really, just anything, gymnastics, um, art, whatever it may be, if they're interested in that, let how can we incorporate that into what they're learning? Now, this will take some creativity and some thought process, but I always say that you can incorporate a child's interest into their lesson and really make maybe like a lesson out of what they like or a project. Like my husband told me that a story of when he was in second grade and he one day he was just sitting at his table and making paper airplanes and his teacher came around and told him, okay, if you stop making paper airplanes right now, I promise you we will have a full day of making paper airplanes. So, and sure enough, she did. And she had them make paper airplanes. She centered lessons around the paper airplanes and they had like a full day of fun for them, but they were probably learning a lot. So you can really come up with a project or a lesson based on your child's interest, but still tie in the educational content that you need to teach. The third tip is to include a variety of ways to teach. Now, all of us have a preferred way of learning, right? Like we, per like for me, I prefer hands-on and I have to see things in order to understand them. Um, every person has their own way and there are even, um, you know, Howard Gardner is an educator who came up with like seven learning styles. But we shouldn't just teach to the way that our children learn. It should be a variety because they need to be exposed to all types of ways because in the real world, it's not tailored to us, right? So I always suggest a variety of ways. When you teach a lesson, maybe one time you can they can watch a short video and then go into the lesson. Maybe they could do a hands-on activity one time. Maybe they need to do a worksheet for that time, and that's perfectly fine. But I recommend a variety so that they're exposed to these different ways of learning and retaining information so that they can learn it in a different way. And then if they're really having a, you know, a hard time with a certain concept, then I would fall back on 
their preferred way of learning so they could actually really understand it. The fourth tip is to take frequent breaks. Break your day and set a timer to make sure that you don't lose track of time. When, you know, sometimes even if like my son has a heart, like he, I tell him to do something or to read or whatever it may be. And he's like, I don't want to do it. I'm like, okay, then set a timer for like 10 minutes. And after that, you don't have to do it. You're done for 10 minutes. And that helps him a lot. Even how I do that for myself too. Um, Like if I have to clean the house, I'm like, I'm tired. I don't want to. I can clean a room for five or 10 minutes. And you you would be surprised how much you can get done in that time. But that is something that you can do to help your child stay focused is to set up like incremental times, like maybe 10, 15 minutes of working and then five minutes of free time or a break or whatever would work for you. And sometimes it's okay to break away from your plan. Take a break from the curriculum, um, maybe do an art project, a science experiment, like something more light and might just give them a brain break. And that's okay to do too. Um, Maybe go outside, breathe in some fresh air, play outside, learn outside, take your lesson outside. Sometimes just like changing the environment could be really beneficial. And the last tip is to, actually, no, I'm going to say the second to last tip is to connect it to an experience. So like I said earlier, the more that we can connect what a child likes or even like what we have to teach them to themselves in some way, then the more they will be able to retain and recall that information. So even if we're teaching like a historical event or something that's really not relatable to them at the moment, there could be a way. There could be some kind of connection. It just takes some creativity to figure that out. So when I taught fifth grade, I taught about the Boston Tea Party. And Obviously, that's not something that could connect to a group of fifth graders, right? Like they probably don't drink tea and they don't have to pay taxes and it's just not something to relate to. But what I did was I would give that I used to like for the class, I would give them these reward tickets that they can, you know, purchase prizes and I told them that they have to create a poster about the Boston Tea Party, but the catch was that they had to use their tickets, their hard-earned tickets, to quote-unquote buy the material for making the poster. They had to buy every single marker. They had to, and, and there was like a contest for the poster, so they had to make it look nice. They couldn't just use like one marker. They had to um, buy the paper, all the supplies to make the poster. And let me tell you, they did not like that. They thought it was unfair. They thought that they, it was just, it was not fair. Like they should have, they shouldn't have to pay for these supplies that they use every single day, all of the time. And that made them feel what a little bit of what the people at the Boston Tea Party felt. The people at the Boston Tea Party thought that 
it was unfair that they had to pay these really high taxes on something that they didn't have to before. So it gave them that kind of connection and put them a little bit in their shoes. Obviously, I gave them the tickets after the activity, but it really was a great experience because they got to get into that feeling of not wanting to do this. and like Why that unjust, unfair um, situation that the people at the Boston Tea Party were. So sometimes it takes some creativity and thinking outside of the box of connecting what our kids have to learn with them in some way. But it's definitely worthwhile because they'll remember it much more after. And then my last and final tip is to incorporate projects, which obviously I love projects. Um, Projects are a really great way to learn the information, but in a hands-on way. And they, you know, sometimes have to solve a problem or, or create something or even both. So they learn the information and then they come, they go through, they research the information. They do many activities like art projects, science experiments, depending on the topic, um, uh, maybe like a presentation or, or a video or something that they're learning throughout the process. And then they finally complete that final part of the project where they have to solve a problem. So projects also allow for including different types of learning and, you know, different ways of teaching, like I was talking about earlier. And if you haven't listened to the project-based learning episode, I highly recommend because I go into detail about project-based learning. And if you don't already know, I do have ready-made projects on my website that you basically just purchase and implement with your child. There's a little bit of planning on your end, but the project is already put together. All the worksheets are there. The templates are there. Everything you need for the project is already there. So you just have to implement it and don't have to do much else. Just enjoy it with your child. Um, I have a variety of topics on there from like science projects like weather, um, um, ecosystems, genetics, to fun projects like movie night, but they still learn a lot. Um, even creating your own business, and then even some history and math projects. So those are on my website at buildaproject.net slash shop. And um, and yeah, those are some ways that you can um, incorporate projects too. So I hope that this was helpful. And if you're finding that you want some guidance with planning your day specifically for your kids, then let's connect. I work with parents one-on-one to come up with a customized, personalized learning plan for their kids. We come up with what to teach them, how to teach them, and come up with the different ways of teaching them, like through projects, through these different activities, through lessons, like what are the best ways to teach your child? We come up with a day-by-day plan so you can just implement it and not have to think or scramble to find the best way to teach something. So if you are interested in talking about working together, message me on Instagram or email me at nancy at buildaproject.net and let's connect there. If you love the topic of this episode and want to continue it or share your insights or takeaways or any ideas that come up, 
Come on over to Instagram. I spend most of my time there connecting with parents. I'm at build underscore a underscore project. Message me or share this podcast. I would love to hear from you. And thanks again for listening. I really hope this helps. And if you have any other questions, please feel free to reach out. Thanks for tuning in.